here with you this morning, and uh, I just wanted to make sure we took a little bit of time before we dive into the baptisms to make sure we set the stage for what we're talking about. What does it mean to be on fire for Jesus Christ? What does it mean to get baptized? And let's make sure we walk through that and get some clarity to it, all right? So that's what I wanted to do with you here. If you do have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. And we're going to dive in a little bit here. And uh, the first point in what it means to go after Jesus Christ, number one, first point, be willing. Be willing to take the stand. It's that simple. Be willing to step up with Jesus Christ. And as we start out in Acts chapter 8, uh, it starts in verse 26 here. And, and uh, just an opportunity for us to hear God give us a challenge of what it looks like to go after sharing and baptism. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. Now an angel of the Lord said, everybody say angel. Hang on, that's going to be important in just a little bit. An angel of the Lord said to Philip. So this is like a message that he wasn't just sitting there and he's like, huh, maybe I should just... It wasn't one of those. This was like a really clear direction that God had sent through an angel. The angel said, rise and go. I love that he used the imperative forms there. He wasn't like, hey, just a thought. Maybe I, what would you consider if? Think about, like, what? everybody's saying, not that. He's like, rise and go. There's a plan we've got here, and God's doing something, and he says, go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And you may have actually heard that name, Gaza, right? We talk about the Gaza Strip today, right? Today, uh, the Palestinians shoot rockets out of the Gaza Strip area, and it lands in the desert area near the road that runs from Jerusalem down to Gaza. This is that place, the place where the bombs are landing, the place that today is very unsafe, back then also unsafe, parched land. And desert area, robbers often would line up there to be able to grab anybody coming along because there was very little way to protect yourself. It was a rough place, and it said, this is a desert place. Now, when somebody says, get up and go to the desert, and uh, it wouldn't be a wrong thought to go, well, why? Like, what are you thinking about doing? And notice it doesn't say anything about Philip questioning the thought along the way. It says, he rose and went. He's like, got it, and he's moving. This is Philip. This is a guy who's been sharing Christ all over the place in the early part of Acts in the first seven chapters. You see his name popping up a bunch as he shares the greatness of Jesus Christ. He's like, I'm in. Another chance to do something for Christ. I'm going. Let's go after it. He rose and went. It says, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. There was a guy who was pretty influential, right? That's what that all means. Distill it down to one word. He was an influencer. He was from the northern part of Africa, and he had some effect and some impact. He was managing the treasures. It said he had come to Jerusalem, ready, to worship. Like, this is a guy who's living down in the northern part of Africa. He's not Jew. He's not Samaritan. He's some kind of Gentile. He has an awareness of what's going on politically, but he seems to be a Yahweh follower. 
He's grasped the God of the Old Testament at some level, and he's starting to track with them. Notice it says he went up to Jerusalem to worship. Most likely, this was actually during one of the feasts. Now, we've been talking about those uh, feasts over the last several weeks around here and celebrating the Savior. And those feasts would call the Jews either in the spring or the summer or the fall to come into Jerusalem to celebrate. Very well could be that it was one of those. And he was in Jerusalem and he's like, I don't, I don't know if I get it all, but I'm going in to worship this God, Yahweh, the one of the Old Testament. It says, and he was returning, seated in his chariot. Right? And so when we read that, seated in his chariot, we're supposed to be like, oh, oh the dude's rich. Right? That's what you're supposed to hear. That'd be like today if we're like, yeah, he drove up in his Porsche. And you're like, oh, dude's got a little bit of money, right? He drove up in his Rolls Royce. More, more money, right? There's status that kind of gets attached to it. And, and as we start throwing these titles on, all of a sudden we start grasping that he's got some cash to go with it. He had a chariot. He was reading from the prophet Isaiah because what else do you do when you're riding in your chariot? I don't know. He was like, hey, let's just continue to read from Isaiah as we're coming back from Jerusalem. It says, and the Spirit said to Philip, and the Spirit said, right? Everybody say the Spirit. So it started out with an angel sent as a messenger. Now where the Holy Spirit is talking to him directly and making comment. The Spirit said to Philip, go over, join the chariot. So Philip delayed and wandered around and didn't do what God asked. Is that what it says? No, right? It says, so Philip ran to him. When you hear what God wants done, get after it. Be willing and go, right? And Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And so he asked, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? By the way, this is a great first step on how to share Christ. Walking in and being like, all right, I know everything. Let me tell you exactly how it goes down. Here's the truths you need to know. This is the way you need to start thinking. Everybody say that's a terrible plan, right? But walking in and going, where are you at? Like, do you understand what you're even reading? Where, where are you at with that? He just asks a question and he's looking to connect with the guy and see how far along the path of understanding this Ethiopian is. It says, and he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? Like this is all of a sudden becoming an invite. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. He's like, why don't you come sit here with me? Apparently you feel confident enough with this material. Let's start walking through it together. And as they began to walk through the details, Philip had to get a smile on his face, right? The passage of scripture that he was reading was this. It's Isaiah 53, starts in verse 7 of Isaiah 53, but he's reading this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. He's reading about Jesus Christ here, like a sheep, like a lamb, Jesus Christ, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As he comes up, sent by the Holy Spirit now. He literally is hearing the man wrestling with who Jesus is. And as he's walking through Isaiah 53, he hears that he is somehow a lamb who is silent, who opens not his mouth. Jesus going willingly. Jesus not fighting back, not reviling when reviled against, 
but walking to the cross for you and for me. And as we talked through this over the last several weeks, he is the Passover lamb. He is our hope. He is the one who went to the cross for us. He is the sheep. He is the lamb. It says, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. He is absolutely sinless. And it was not due him to go to the cross. But Jesus Christ went willingly. Him for me. And he, please hear me. My works are never good enough. I cannot be good enough to get it done. Romans 3, all of our works end up coming up short before the glory of God. And we need a Savior. And all of God's people said, and he's beginning to read about the Savior, Jesus Christ, as a lamb going to the cross to cover our sin. And it was a humiliation that wasn't just but it was God's plan to be able to provide for us. And it says, who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. He dies on the cross for us and uh, the sacrifice that is made there. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Don't you love those moments where you're talking to somebody and the question they ask is such an easy softball question. They're like, all right, I have a question is this Jesus, right? That's kind of the question that just got asked. Softball pitch out to Philip, like, who's he talking about here? And Philip's like, let me make it clear. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures. I love that statement. See, when he begins to make real who Jesus Christ is, he doesn't start with his own personal experience. There's nothing wrong with that, but he starts with bigger than that. He starts with, let me tell you who he is from the scriptures. Let me reveal to you all that's going on from the word. Probably started with Isaiah 53. It doesn't say, but that's where the guy's reading. Most likely, he starts right there and walks line by line explaining what it means as he reveals out the God who is dying on the cross to cover our sin, his blood to cover what we owe. He gets through Isaiah 53, and who knows what he goes to next. He very well may have gone to the Jewish feasts and been like, let's just start with a little bit of scripture statement here about Passover lamb, about the unleavened bread, the perfect sinless one who takes away our sin, about the risen one who brings life and hope. And he starts walking through the scripture, revealing the greatness of Jesus Christ. And it says... That he opened his mouth, he walked through the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. You got to believe it ended with the giant exclamation point of this. And I know him personally. I walked with him, I talked with him, I heard from him, I saw him heal people, I watched him teach in thunderous authority. I saw people come to believe in him. I watched him die on the cross, Isaiah 53 fulfilled. I saw him buried. I saw him risen. This one is alive. His name is Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the moment of sharing as he told him the good news about Jesus Christ? Man, you got to love it. This is an ordained moment. This God's like, make sure you get with that guy. I want him to hear who I am now. And uh, 
Man, we're going to be going through a bunch of baptisms throughout today in the three services, and uh, you are going to hear people repeatedly sharing their testimony, talking about how they came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, and who came into their life, and how somebody may have shared with them, and some things that were taking place with them, and praise God for the work that God does. Each and every one of us who has trusted Christ as Savior has our own unique story where the Spirit shows up and life is changed, and all of God's people said, and that's what we're going to be celebrating as we walk through these baptisms today, that they have met God Almighty, and they're trusting and believing in Him, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, and they are confessing Him as their Lord. They admit they're a sinner, they believe that He is risen, and they confess Him as Lord, A, B, and C, all right? Number two. Second point to take out of this, take a stand. Take a stand in baptism. And to look what it says right after it here. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? What prevents me from getting in the water? Now, it's not clear what made the topic of baptism come up. Was that something that Philip was explaining? Is that just something he knew and understood from the culture? But he grasped that taking a stand with Jesus Christ, getting in the water. Maybe Philip even said, I saw, I heard that he was baptized. Jesus Christ, you can too. And who knows what the word was along the way, but he ends up saying, how about me? And... Uh, and it says then in verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stop. Now, I'm just going to say this. Some of you have a Bible that actually has a verse 37 there, all right? And so the ESV has taken verse 37 out. Some of yours have it in parentheses. Some of you have it with an asterisk. Here's the deal. Somebody along the way didn't like that in verse 36, he says, hey man, how come I can't get baptized? And then in verse 38, he's getting in to get baptized. It's like, where's the answer? And so a scribe somewhere along the way in the Greek manuscript started actually adding in the answer that Philip gave. Everybody say that's a terrible plan, right? Let's not add to scripture to try to make it more clear. It's pretty flippin' clear what's going on when he says, how about me? And the next thing he does is get in, all right? So that's why the ESV does not have verse 37, just so you know. And that's why some of your other Bibles have it in parentheses or with an asterisk, all right? And uh, he said, how about me? And then he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He baptized him. Now, notice it says he went down into the water. And uh, that's why we do immersion-style baptism. So you can see this uh, rock thing over here. That's got the water behind it. You'll see that in just a little bit. So we do immersion-style baptism. Why? Well, because it best models whenever you see the stories of baptism, they're going down into the water. So you can tell there's sort of a, a deeper level to that water, all right? It doesn't matter how much water is used in the end, but just to model the best of what we're seeing, there is a down into the water. So we do that. It also models the meaning of it being uh, brought down into the water, like down into death with Christ, and then up into new life. And so there's a modeling of what it means. And these people, man, that are going to be baptized today, please hear me, they have already trusted Christ. Everybody say, already trusted. already trusted. They're already saved. 
This is a model of what's already taken place going down in and coming up out with new life. Praise God, all right? Baptism is a celebration of that. That's why we do the immersion thing. You see that going on here as they went down in, he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Everybody say miracle. Can you imagine that moment? He gets baptized. He's dripping wet. He steps up out of the water. They are laughing. They are talking. He turns around. He turns back. Gone. And you're like, now where did he go? And all of a sudden you recognize how much God has so ordained this moment for you. And it says, uh, and when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Because when you see a miracle of God, you rejoice. Because when you just got saved, you rejoice. Because celebration, because baptism all come together in one so that we can make much of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, and baptism Sunday, it is a giant Sunday of rejoicing. May we make much of him. And it says, but Philip found himself at Azotus and he passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Philip's like, dude, I am not going to stop talking about Jesus Christ. This is so awesome seeing people get saved. And uh, praise God for that, man. You see here the Ethiopian taking a stand in baptism. He decided, all right, I trust that Jesus Christ, he is risen from the dead. I believe that. And I'm saying, take over in my life. You're in charge. I want to get baptized. Let me connect with him and show that I'm a follower. That's what baptism is. So I just wrote a few words down. Today is a day of celebration. And that means after every single baptism, we are going to lift it up in applause and cheers, praising God for the work he is doing in each soul, all right? After every single baptism, big applause and cheers. We will be doing some rejoicing in this room because God is at work. And uh, please hear me one more time. I'll say this. Baptism does not save. These guys are already saved. Everybody say already saved. And so they are taking a stand with Jesus Christ. That's what's going on. They are proclaiming that they love him and they're following him. All right? And uh, man, you might be here today and you're like, I didn't know it was Baptism Sunday. Or I actually didn't know this is what baptism was all about. I want to be in on that. Man, we would love to plug you in. So we have shorts, we have shirts, we have towels, and we've got a couple of elders right here. They're both dressed in blue. We've got Steve Hutton and Steve Belzer, both named Steve. Just walk around looking for Steve in a blue shirt, and you'll be good, all right? Let's make sure we get you signed up today. Talk to them. We'll get you baptized at the end of the service. We would love to have you get baptized with us, all right? So get to them. You can share a little bit of your testimony, and we'll help get you set up. And uh, All right, so I have one last question. You ready? Baptism, it's a celebration and a rejoicing. So what's it going to sound like after every single baptism? Ready? Ready? 